I want to just take a few scriptures. I thought Dan was going to steal my thunder this morning, but go with me to Isaiah chapter 9. And I'm trying to bring up something here. Oh, me. Completely disappeared. Give me just a minute. And I'm going to just read some uh, scriptures beginning in verse 6. But before I do, I want to tell you, I want to talk about what's coming this next year. Uh, I wrote this a while back. Uh, By knowing who we are in Christ establishes our priestly anointing. Knowing who Christ in us establishes our kingly anointing. God is seeking to move the church in the Western world into a greater understanding of their kingly anointing. We got, you ever, you ever, uh, how, how many of you, don't raise your hand, know someone that's mad at God because he didn't come through like they thought he should come through? You know, I, I heard a message preached one time, God is not your sugar daddy. But so many today wait till they're in the pinch, and then when God doesn't, you know, keep them from whatever, losing their home or their house or their car or their kids or their job or whatever, then they get mad at God. And the reason is, is because we've had a wrong representation of who God really is. And he, he is reckless about us, but how many of you know he's reckless about bringing correction to us? And we have to see both sides. In Isaiah 9, in verse 6, it says, For unto us, look to your neighbor and say, That's you. Look to your neighbor now and say, That's me. How many of you realize we are the us that's being spoke about? This is not written to those 2,000 years ago. This is written to everyone who ever lived. For unto us a child is born. We're celebrating the time of Christmas right now about the Son of God that was born as a child. I posted on this. I've said this a few times. I think I might have mentioned last time I was in the pulpit. But, you know, in the Western church today, we got so many that want to be the in crowd. They want to get the smoke machine right in church, the music right, the lights right, everything just right so that the people. You know, I said to someone, someone challenged me privately on, on a Facebook Messenger recently, and he said, you know, I listen to something you preach that's on YouTube. I, know, I don't put anything on YouTube, but other people do. And it sounds like that you uh, have no respect for seeker-friendly churches. And I just, as gently and as pastorally and as lovingly as I can, I said, you have discerned me right. <laughs> and he said, well, if we don't lower the threshold and we don't make it easy, we're not going to have followers. And I said... I disagree. A leader is someone who can take a group of people to a place they don't want to go and cause them to discover they have destiny there. It's very easy to lead people where they want to go. I had an incredible experience last Saturday. I went to buy some hunting supplies at Bass Pro. It is a miracle that I got out of there without whooping 
six or seven parents and 28 children. Let me tell you what I heard from almost the time I walked in to I left. Parents bribing, threatening, and making broken promises to their children if they would just behave. And I have to tell you, it ain't good. And we've given to young people because we've given to ourselves too many rights. I used to say this, I moved away from it, but see, there's a difference between freedom and liberty. The book of Corinthians says this, not ev everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Amen? One of the things that I, I've been drinking too many diet, I like Coke Zero, and I begin to feel it in my joints. And I've been off of any kind of uh, diet, any kind of soda whatsoever for just a few days now. Drink, I drank 16 glasses of water yesterday. And, uh, and I can already tell that some of the inflammation that was in my, my joints is going. Are you hearing me? See, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Are you hearing me? And we have got to move into this understanding that, yes, he came as a child, but he lives today as a king. And we need that kingly anointing, but yet we won't. I mean, there's a sign on the way to Dyersburg. I see it all the time, and it says, God is in control. And I, I, I am so tempted to get up on that billboard and paint this big round red circle with a slash through it. Amen? Because God is not in control. God is in charge, but he's not in control. If he was in control, we would have no decision-making process. Why are you here today? Holy Spirit didn't make you come. Why are you not having uh, the healing rooms for two Monday nights? The Holy Spirit didn't tell you to do that. He gives us choices. I can remember for years... He would speak to us about our next vehicle. And he would tell us what it was going to be. And even had a dealer. He told me a black Suburban and a dealer. I think I preached on it a little bit recently. And a dealer blessed me on that with that. And then finally it came down to we need another vehicle. And I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, you've not told me what my next vehicle is going to be. You know, what, what do I need to start looking for? And he said to me, what do you want? And I had to transition out of that place of him telling me what it was going to be because I'd been obedient into understanding that he would allow me within reason to have the desire of my heart. I can remember right here on a, on a December Sunday morning when Dutch Sheets was here after one of our conferences many, many years ago now, I don't know how long ago, and and. He was ministering to Susan and I prophetically, and I heard the Lord say, buy Susan whatever. We, we, she was needing a vehicle. I said, buy her whatever she wants. And so I went to her. That, I think it was that very afternoon. We sat down, and I said, I feel like I'm supposed to buy you a vehicle, and I feel like I'm supposed to buy you what you desire. We've always, she's always had the vehicles that fit the ministry and fit what we needed and fit everything. What would you like to have? And she looked me right now and she said, I want a Camaro. 
And I began to look for her a Camaro. And we bought the, the Camaro. And she drove it for a while, and her mother came to live with us, and we needed a different vehicle. Her mother couldn't get it, and she, we traded it and got a small SUV. And then when her mother got promoted into glory, we went back and traded. And this time I said, well, I'm going to help you pick out the Camaro. So we got a big block. I don't mean anything to some of you, but to a man that means something. And it was a convertible. And she drove it for a while, and then one day she said, I feel like God tell me I need to get a, a, a Tahoe. And I said, no, we need to keep that car. I like driving that car. And one of the things Susan said she liked the most about it was all the young men who would see it in the parking lot and come ask her, is it got a big block? You know, didn't ask anything about her. They want to know all about her car. But see, God wants us to come in that place to where we take our kingly anointing. See, how, how many of you have heard any teaching about the Melchizedek priesthood? See, when we begin to operate both as priest and king, we fulfill that. That's who Melchizedek was. He was, a, he was a priest and a king, and God wants us to understand and move in that. Let me give you just a few more scriptures. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders in other words he's in charge and when you allow him to war through you and one of the things that the reason I'm bringing this to you today because I'm looking at the timing and everything with it I, it's probably a message I've preached here before but there's a great revelation in the body of Christ now. Some of it has come because of Dutch. But Dutch begin to say, you never get a suddenly until you put your enemy under siege. You never get a suddenly until you put your enemy under siege. See, do you realize how much the body of Christ is living under siege? They're expecting the, the, the next tragedy. You know, the, you know, sadly, we meet so many church-going, born-again people, and their favorite song is, if it wasn't for the bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. <laughs> or they believe if something bad. You know, I had someone say to me the other day, said, uh, you know, I, I, man, I, I noticed you have this brand tires, and said, I, you know, I had that time, and, and I just, they didn't hold up and, and with that. And I, you know, listen, how many of you know every company makes bad tires? They can be bad of anything. But when you take on this mindset that, you know, the scripture says, then the thing that Job feared the most came upon him. We sow into our own demise. I've said this several times, probably here this year, but one of the most amazing things that gets said to Susan and I, and most of it is on Facebook from people from our past, they, say, they said, you live the life we all want to. And I don't do it publicly, but privately I'll write them, I said, no, we, leave, we live the life we want to. We're surrendered to God, and he lets us live, and you can have the same life. Doesn't mean you live just like us, but but you, you, how many of you know you create your own world? 
by the words that you're, you're choosing. Let me just tell you, to somebody here, you, you can actually create your spouse. You can box them in. You can form them in. You can do these things by words that you speak over your spouse. I, I've lost the list because I never did type it up in a, in a computer anywhere, but I used to have a list when I do pre-marriage counseling. I, I had 10 things you can never say in a marriage. I remember a few of them. I don't remember them all. One of them was this. You're just like your mother. No one is just like. You can be very much like. You know, Susan, Susan said that I'm so much like my daddy that she believes I was cloned. But I'm not just like him. There are some, di there are some vast differences. Amen? Or how about this one? You can never say that. You, you're, I can see now you're never going to change. See, what you're doing, you're prophesying them into a holding place you're prophesying in them you listen the scripture says that a woman wins her husband by her conversation that doesn't mean words there that means her way of life her lifestyle and so if we're going to move into this place of understanding yes we're here about a baby that was born in the manger we're not here about an in crowd we're here about the stable few how many of you know there was only a few at the stable? He was born in a manger. I'm told, according to history, it's actually a cave is what it was. It wasn't a, wasn't a, a wood barn like we would think about, but they, yet there was it's where they fed the animals in there. And it was maybe musty, but it wasn't raining in there. You know, it was, they, it, they looked for what they could find. She'll be up on his shoulder. He's carrying this government. I don't in any way want this message to be political. But I prophesied here on the 1st of October that there would be something released in our nation in the next 90 days that would astound the nation. January, it, it, October, November, December. We're, we're, we're coming up on 90 days. Are you seeing me? And so, you know, with that, I, I don't know what's coming. I've been pretty astounded by some of the process that we're seeing done against our uh, president. And I'm also astounded. If you don't know uh, Christianity Today, which has been receiving money for several years from George Soros, is uh, come out totally against how that he and, and they bring up all the women in the article any of you read it? it it's, it's pretty rank but you know let me ask you something let's say you know he you know he's been divorced and you know, if James Dobson says that just a few years ago he led Trump in a sinner's prayer now, am I misunderstanding the Bible, but when he asked Jesus to forgive him, did not every sin prior to that prayer get, get tossed into the sea of forgetfulness never to be brought up again, or am I misreading this somehow? 
You know, we missed it in the body of Christ several years ago when Newt Gingrich was going to run for president because nobody could forgive him of the divorces he'd been through. I don't see forgiveness in the body of Christ. I see people remembering what people did. Man, if you want to dig up some of my past that's in the sea of forgetfulness, you're going to have to have one of those submarines that really go deep. Because my father, who is reckless with his love for me, took all of my sins and cast it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be brought up again. And other scriptures said, it's as far as the east is from the west. And as a pilot, we know, uh, as a pilot, I know that the world is round. If I started flying east right now, I never reach east because it's perpetual. But yet we hold. But as we get an understanding, let's go on that. And his name shall will be called Wonderful. How many of you have had that wonderful touch of grace or love? How about this one? Counselor. Isn't it, isn't it one of the greatest, they're all great, but one of the greatest promises is in the book of John. If you lack in wisdom, ask, and he'll give it out in a generous manner. Man, I've had him share some things with me. I, when I was managing a fuel company one time, I had no understanding of, of computers or anything. And I just asked the Lord. And it was, I, I got so good at what I was doing, the company that installed these fuel stations tried to hire me to go to work for them. And all I would do, I actually heard Holy Spirit say this word to me one time. I couldn't spell it. Quadline driver. I said, Lord, what is that? He says, what needs to be replaced? I said, Lord, where is it? We didn't have Google in the 80s. Are you hearing me? And he showed me that. And I said, Lord, how can I replace that? I don't have one. He said, Radio Shack has them. I drove to Kennett, Missouri, walked in. And I don't even think I pronounced it right the first time. I said, do you have any quad line drivers? And the guy said, no. And he, and he said, you're not talking about quad line drivers, are you? And I said, yeah, that's what I said. He said, well, it didn't sound like it. And I said, how many you got? How much are they? He said, they're $3 a piece. I said, how many you got? He said, I got six. I said, I'll take them all. When he, as I'm walking out of the store, he said, be sure and get all the static electricity out of you before you replace it because you can fry the motherboard if you do this. And I said, well, how do I do that? And he said, well, just take a wire and hook around you and ground it to the deal. And he'd walk, are you hearing me? And I would go back. We had, what we did, we had these fuel stations all over the boot hill of Missouri to where farmers could go there with a certain card and fill their 1,000-gallon fuel tank for their combines and cotton pickers and tractors to run on. And the Boot Hill of Missouri is notorious for lightning. It's flat as a flitter, and it has a lot of lightning storms, and it would knock these quadline drivers. I'm trying to help you understand. We're moving into a time we've got to be totally dependent on God. Take the talents, the training you have, and watch him increase it and bring you to another level. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. We sung about him today and his goodness. 
Everlasting Father. In other words, he's adopted you. You, you know, you are his no matter what. He's not going to quit on you. He is not going to quit on you. He's got your back. Do you know that God never pulls back from you? When, we know, when we're convicted on the inside and we don't deal with that conviction, you know what it becomes? Condemnation. And when it becomes condemnation, you draw back from the good, good father rather than pressing into him. I'll tell you this story about Walter. When Walter was a young man, he went, he went through driver's ed, got his certificate, was 16 years old, finally came that first Friday night. He asked his parents, could he use their car to go out? His dad looked at his mom. His mom looked at his dad and said, okay, but here's the rules. You only have two other people in the car with you, no more. You can't go down into this part of town. There can't be any alcohol or cigarettes in this car at any time. And don't you go near that pool hall where all those ruffians hang out. Walter leaves the house and he gets to his best friend. When he gets there, there's five buddies there. And they all load into the car. They start cruising in the car. And the first thing he knows, one of his buddies pulls out a half pint of whiskey. And starts passing it around. The other one gets out a pack of cigarettes. Oh, yeah, I forgot one of the rules. They said, you've got to be home by 1230, no later. They end up down at the pool hall, the wrong end of town. Every, every rule is broken. And he gets home that night at 1.30. And his dad's not up waiting on him. And he goes to bed. Nothing's said. The next morning, he gets up. Mom's cooking a big breakfast. I mean, you know, eggs and pancakes and everything. And he sits there with his parents. And they never mention he came in late. A little bit later, he looks out and he sees his dad looking in the car. And his dad throws a package of cigarettes and a half-pint bottle in the trash. But yet his dad never confronts him. All week, nothing's ever said. Friday night comes around. Do you think Walter's got the courage to ask for the car again? Or do you think he's afraid? Now, I'm just using him as an example. This is, I hope, not a true story. But what I'm trying to say is, see, because he's already convicted or even to the point of being condemned on the inside, he can't go back. He, he's fearful to go back and say, Daddy, God. He's fearful to go back and say, Mom and Dad, can I use the car again? Because he's afraid at the moment he requests, he's going to be confronted for his disobedience. But what God wants you to do is run to him. He's never in your past. The Lord said this to me a few years ago. And it really showed, you know, man, I'm so glad I came back to God. And the Lord told me, he said, nobody ever comes back to me because I'm never in their past. I'm always in their future. I'm so glad I went on to God. <clears throat> I'm so glad that I yielded. 
Prince of Peace. How many of you know that doesn't mean everything's going to be peaceful around you? Years ago when Haytai, Missouri, my head deacon, Ralph Hayes was his name, had a very, very rare, maybe it's what we have today, lung disease in his lungs, basically. He'd never smoked in his life, but his lungs were turning to leather on the inside. I went to the hospital and would spend days with him, praying for him and asking God for a miracle. He was such a, a, a blessing to us in that church that we were building there. And, <clears throat> and I'd been up there for about three days, and Susan uh, told me, she need to come home and at least shower and rest up a little bit. And I left my Bible there, and his daughter-in-law, Christy, was there staying with him while I wasn't there, and her husband wasn't there. And she picked up my Bible and I'd written in the notes in the book of Psalms, I'd written in my own handwriting, peace is when you can stand knee deep, a waist deep in alligators and see nothing but the face of Jesus. I don't know what I was going, I don't remember what I was going through. I don't know what was going on in my life, but I wrote that. And my handwriting is so poor, it's amazing. But Christy found that. Sadly, Ralph was not healed. He went to be with the Lord. Great man. And several years later, Christy contacted us and she said, hey, I mean, we'd, we'd moved away by then. And she found a number and got in touch with us. And she said, I, I need to get a scripture from you. I can't find it. I've tried every uh, strong, everything I can. I can't find it. She said, where is that scripture about being waist deep in alligators? And I said, I'm not aware of one. She said, oh, yeah, I read it in your Bible. You left your Bible up in the room with Ralph when he, when he was in the hospital and said, I read it and I need it right now. And I had to explain to her, it wasn't scripture I'd written. Oh, no, it was printed. I don't know what God did, but it was what she needed at the moment because let me just tell you, her son, Dirk, who I'd led to the Lord when he was eight years old, had just been killed on a railroad track. And she was waist deep in alligators. But see, the peace and the Prince of Peace, it's not an external thing, it's an internal thing. And you can stand when they're repossessing your car or foreclosing on your house or your spouse just walked out on you or the banker just said no or the doctors say you got cancer and you can have the peace that surpasses all understanding because he's no longer a baby laying in a manger. I love that song when Natalie does it. He's not hanging on the cross. He is the king of kings. I close this morning. It's time for you to get your kingship on. I'm not talking about a capital K king, but you need to embrace the small K king that you are. And ladies, you're a king. Amen?
if us men are going to be a bride, be the bride or the bride, then you need to step into your kingship. You need to step into your authority. You need to understand. See, knowing who we are in Christ establishes our priestly anointing. But when you know who Christ is in you, it establishes your kingly anointing. A child was given. A son was born. He came as a priest. I'm still studying it, but Dr. Dwayne Miller got a book about Jesus the rabbi, and, and it's blowing my mind. I have to tell you, I've just never been taught anything, but it's right there in the scriptures, and the understanding of that is helping me see in a different way. But here's what I want to close with this morning. Are you ready to embrace your kingship? See, when you embrace your kingship, then you can speak to mountains. Forty, almost 47 years ago, we said, I do. We've walked it through. First nine years, I created the hell, but we've had some hell since then. Because the enemy has tried to destroy us, tried to destroy our children, tried to destroy our destiny. But the one thing I can tell you, God aligned us. 46 years ago in marriage for the conquest, not just for the companionship. And you're not going to have a conquest until you embrace the fullness of your kingly anointing by knowing who Christ is through you. Every morning, every morning, when I wake up, I say to the Lord, Lord, I thank you that you've given me authority as a believer. But today, I give you total authority in my life. Do I believe I have authority as a believer? I know that I do. But do you know there's some areas his authority is greater than my authority. And by allowing him to have authority in my life, it makes life good. In the losses, in the disappointments, in the misunderstandings, in the failures, in the moments of emotions, life is good. Why? Because even though he's not in control, he is in charge if we surrender to him and allow him. So then I wish you a Merry Christmas. What is a Merry Christmas? That you'll have the peace that surpasses all understanding. That as you get together with family and friends. That there will be an atmosphere of love and grace and understanding. That you'll begin to believe what God has said about you. What's written in your book. And not what the enemy is trying to give to you with fiery darts. Susan and I have a family out of our background that I don't want to mention any names because we're streaming, but we're, we've watched the premature deaths. I mean, it's just mind-boggling. And even one of them 
was in a tremendous car accident, a, a wreck, a head-on collision. A man, they think, had a heart attack and crossed the, the, the center lane. And the, the man who crossed the center lane into this friend of ours was killed in the accident or either died of the heart attack. And this, this friend of ours has got seven broken ribs, both hip. They've had to re totally replace one hip, totally. A uh, uh, right leg broken, uh, arm broken. I mean, all, you know, with it. I mean, just they're working on him. Fluid's trying to build up in his lung with that. And the thing about it is that they don't even recognize their, their authority nor the thought. They love God. They're Christians. But they've never come into the understanding. So I'm going to ask you, would you stand to your feet? I want to pray over you and send you forth at Christmas time that you will get the fullness of spiritual understanding of your kingly anointing. I'm going to be a little bit crude, but let me tell you what this next year looks like. I'm going to make it as nice as I can. But there's an old saying that a guy walked into a place where there was a bunch of rowdiness going on. And they looked at him and said, Ned, what are you doing here? He said, I came here to chew, to chew bubble gum and kick some backside. And I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> this is going to be a no bubble gum year this next year. But it's going to be the year of prodigals come home. It's going to be a year that the, the, you're going to see kids and family and friends begin to value your values. You're going to begin to see people understand that Christ in you can be their hope of glory. You're going to begin to see people understand that the answer is not blowing in the wind, but the answer is that Christ in you. So, Father, I just pray that you release a kingly anointing upon every person here. I declare that they are blessed coming and going. Father, move on the hearts of, of five people or it don't have to be five. Move up on the hearts of the people to make sure that five people come to this banquet who are not in church, who are maybe been hurt by church, been hurt by religion. But, Father, let them come and let them begin. And, Father, we lift up. Let that kingly anointing come up on David Christie. Father, we bless Jerome Burkett in the ministry there in Douglasville, Georgia, Douglas, Georgia. We just declare they're blessed. But, Father, more than that, we declare these people are blessed. Father, we declare travel blessings and safety over every person that will travel during the Christmas holidays. Father, our daughter Diane and Hannah and Hannah that are coming to see us from North Carolina, we declare blessings over them, Father. We declare travel blessings. Let them come. We declare this is going to be the greatest Christmas in the Nash house 
than it has ever been until next year. Father, we just declare that we're going to enjoy family and we're going to focus on the future. But Father, we just declare over your people here, great days are ahead. The best is coming and will continue to come. We declare you are blessed in your sleep. You're blessed at your work. You're blessed as you sit for Christmas dinner. Father, let our life display to every person who sees us. Life is good because you are the center of everything that we do. So, Father, we just bless your people today. We send them forth to go forth and fulfill the vision of this house. We send them forth to enjoy God at all times by celebrating who they are by truly knowing who you are. We send them forth to do this in Jesus' name.